0: Hello, and welcome to the 2021 season of Overburden, the podcast for postal workers. I'm Brandi Hughes.
1: And I'm Kevin Hitchings.
0: Today, we're going to talk a little bit about wildcat strikes. Not that we're recommending them. No,
1: (laughs) definitely not. (laughs) They have their place and their purpose, but generally, uh, we'll, we'll see, we'll let you decide, but generally not a good idea.
0: Um, so I think we should maybe start by defining what a, what, what makes a wildcat different from other strikes. So um, during a labor dispute, the union might call for a strike and usually the members would vote whether they're willing to strike or not. Uh, a wildcat strike happens when that process isn't followed. So the general union hasn't voted on it. They haven't agreed. Some people just take it upon themselves to start a strike.
1: Well, it could be at a national level, but it's the process wasn't followed. You didn't notify the employer ahead of time and gone through the, all the labor laws and things like that.
0: Yeah, or, just, you, or you weren't in a legal strike position.
1: It's an, an impromptu strike, yeah. And it could be a local or a group in the local or it could be uh, the entire uh, union. But yeah, basically an unauthorized, not legal strike.
0: Um, so under current labor code part one, uh, this is article 79. They state that uh, we would not be, or any union would not be, in a legal strike position if you've entered into, you've agreed to arbitration. Um, so, pretty much in um, in Canada right now, if you're, if you currently have a collective agreement that's in force, you're not really in a legal strike position. You're in a position to strike legally when your your agreement has expired. Uh, you've tried negotiating, it hasn't worked.
1: And you have to give notice. And once you're in arbitration, that's one of the reasons why the the government, uh, the Trudeau government forced us into arbitration last time was because as soon as we're in arbitration, we cannot strike anymore. Yeah, Mm -hmm. not legally. So there's voluntary arbitration, which can be ended with notice. But when it's legislated, we didn't really have a choice and that removed our opportunity to strike.
0: Yeah, and then they offered some really uh, hefty fines. if you.
1: Yeah, for individuals even. Yeah, um, which was kind of a get around because uh, what was it, 2015? The Supreme Court ruled that in a five-two decision, that we had the fundamental right to strike under the Constitution, and this way they, you know, they they weren't doing the exact same thing that Harper did to that caused this ruling, but they were still kind of taking a side route, you know, because we had our opportunity to strike, we you know didn't work or whatever, we never took it really fully, weren't allowed to. And they moved into this uh, arbitration instead. So they were following the law, sort of. So I'm not sure where our challenges are on that this time. But well, it was, we weren't,
0: we weren't full-on striking. We were rotating.
1: No, but we weren't, rota- we weren't striking with Harper either, right? Yeah. But this effectively removed our right to strike.
0: But, I mean, when you look at... We spoke about, about this as an, in an earlier episode last season about how it's like... <laughs> Uh, there's labor dispute, there's a strike and then we get legislated back. It's just, it's, that repeatedly. seems to be the formula that, that the Canadian government has always followed. It's like traditional now that you just legislate them back to work and then they go back to work and then we force them to accept some crappy deal.
1: Right. <laughs> so striking used to be the only real way to pressure the employer. Like you could go and ask for things, but if they said too bad, too bad. So withholding your labor, um, was really the only way to go and, and wildcat strikes that were impromptu were kind of the best way to do that because you could really disrupt their their operation. Right now we have to give notice. They can prepare for it. Um, with a wildcat strike, it could be in the moment or planned without notice uh, short term, but you could really time it to put the employer in a spot where they would have to concede or would seriously impact their business. Um, so they can be really effective because you can time them, you can surprise them and you can really target an area. Uh, and hit them where it hurts
0: yeah and in the uh up until the 60s like there was no real legal strike position so pretty much the strikes were essentially uh, of a wildcat nature and they would they would strike or or walk off the job uh, they,
1: they always called them illegal like in 1965 they oh, called sure. our strike illegal but there was nothing saying we couldn't or could work or, right. or, had, or to, we had, had to, to work we yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. But people would, would walk off the job to, uh, to protest, basically. They would protest changes to the work methods or uh, a fellow worker being fired or someone being mistreated or uh, just that grievances or, or negotiations were taking too long. It's
1: a little more risky back then, too, because there were also, when you wildcat any strike back then and when you wildcat now, there's no protections. Right now, if you go on strike, they can't fire you for striking. But if it's an illegal strike, Uh, They can, and often the mindset is, well, they can't fire us all, but if you look at Mm. Ronald Reagan and the air traffic controllers, they said, well, air traffic controls are essential. It would be chaos if you fired us all, and Reagan gave them, I I can't remember how much notice they gave him, but he said, everyone's back to date at this time, or you're all fired, and uh, he went across the board and fired every air traffic controller in the country. That's Uh, frightening. Which was a huge hit (laughs) to the labor movement, really worldwide. It affected everybody.
0: Well, who would want to get on an airplane? Yeah,
1: <laughs> I don't know how long it took them to recover, but yeah, you know, under normal strike rules, you can't do that. You have a lot more protection, you mm-hmm. know. When you wildcat, you don't. But uh, it hits the the employer pretty hard, um, depending on what it is. But you're also taking a huge risk in doing that. So what happened was in 1965 uh, when the poster workers shut down the country and caused uh, a lot of panic, really, I guess, through the lawmakers. They realized that something had to change and they had to stop um, stop these strikes, but they didn't want to completely remove our right to strike. So that's where we got the grievance procedure in Canada from. Uh, in 1967, they enacted the Public Service Staff Relation Act, which set in place rules for striking and gave the notice and arbitrator rules and how we have to go in the cooling down period and all that stuff. Uh, I believe that was all put in that act. And that's where the grievance procedure was introduced. So we gained the grievance procedure, uh, lost the opportunity to Wildcat.
0: Yeah, it basically um, defined when we were legally able to strike. Um, And to do that, the postal workers were out, uh, were not working for two weeks and uh, they were striking to uh, gain higher wages and better management, mm-hmm. and uh, the right to bargain collectively, essentially by striking.
1: Yeah, because you know it. It was considered a win-win at the time because there was a lot. You know, if the employer employer harmed you, in a small way, you weren't going to take the floor and and walk off. So little grievances were ignored. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the employer was always worried that that could happen. You know. What if the whole staff walks out because they don't like the kind of coffee we put in the break room or something like that? (laughs) You know, it was always hanging there overhead. So, this gave the employer some peace of mind and gave us the grievance procedure so that we could resolve small issues before they became big issues in theory and, Mm -hmm. you know, have a broader range of things we could challenge. So, at the time, it was considered a win win. Of course, the grievance procedure is still useful, but it's it's bogged down a little bit different. Things have changed a little bit over the time. Uh, Not so much in the law or, uh, technically, but how it's implemented.
0: Well, not least of which because the uh, the language in the collective agreements has grown exponentially since then. So there's so many more things that are grievable offenses. Um, when you when barely anything is considered um, wrong or, or wronging yeah. the employee, it's kind of hard to grieve. You know, there were a lot of things that happened in the '60s that would be considered completely unethical or yeah. human rights violations. And because they weren't in either our collective agreement or even in um, the labor code at the time, people just dealt with them yeah. and until things got bad enough that people would, would do one of these strikes.
1: Yeah. So at the time when the Public Service Staff Relations Act came in, uh, it said we could grieve any federal statute, so any law or anything in our collective agreement. And that, of course, has expanded a little bit uh, the Canadian Charter of Human Rights which uh, i believe is enacted in the law so i think it still counts as as a bill but anyway we can grieve under that uh human rights violations and things right. but any labor law and whatnot you can grieve there are a lot of risks to wildcatting um right now there are substantial fines uh one of our locals i think five years ago shut down the work floor just i'm not sure if it was the Local leadership or just someone on the floor? Had everyone stop working for three hours, uh, I believe it was, and the corporation went to uh, in industrial relations board. I believe is the one that made the ruling, and the uh, Prairie Region took a massive financial hit for that in fines. Um, I'm not sure if they even got any results out of that. You know, I'm sure they made their point to the employer that they were serious, but you know the. Uh,
0: At a hefty cost. There was
1: uh, a very hefty cost. So I don't know if we want to go into that too much further than that.
0: No, there are other examples of wildcat strikes that we can talk about. Um, uh, For example, in 1999, Saskatchewan nurses uh, went on strike in April uh, because of basically chronic understaffing and low wages. And uh, Saskatchewan legislated them back to work, uh, but the sun... Uh, union members stayed on the picket line for another week and in the end they won themselves 13.7 percent wage increase and a pledge from the government that it would fund 200 new positions so right. to try to fight that understaffing which of course affects all of us who are using the healthcare system.
1: I'm not sure if they had any consequences for that extra week as, on top of that or not but there's a there's also a big difference between the union as a whole directing you to directing the membership to stay out as opposed to an impromptu one on the floor. Right. right.
0: If, you're, if your whole group is acting together, then in theory the costs of any fines and, and things would be shared, right?
1: Well, it also makes it harder on the employer. You know, if the employer wants to, you know, say all of Saskatoon where we are decided to have a wildcat and they decided to fire all whatever there are of us, 450 of us, it would be severely inconvenienced to the employer, but they could do it. It wouldn't hurt them that badly, you know? It
0: would be entertaining.
1: It'd be entertaining. <laughs> How would it be entertaining?
0: Well, I just find that, you know, you get all those people who say that this job is so easy and whatever. I can't oh, wait yeah. they pay you guys. And yet they hire people and so many of them don't stay. And if this job is so great and we're so overpaid, why do people quit?
1: We go for pleasant strolls every day for 50 bucks an hour. And then we're at the bar by what noon, I think. Most yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Are like, we're
0: golfing and drinking and whatever. But right. I mean, if that if it's really such a sweet gig, why do people quit? Yeah.
1: But anyway, the, <laughs> the, the point was <laughs> that, yeah, if they wanted to fire the city, they could do it and it would hurt, but it's not undoable. They could easily do that. But if the entire country went out, it's much harder for them to... To replace 50-some yeah. thousand. But it's not undoable, like Reagan showed.
0: Well, and probably it would be more doable now. Cause how many people are out of work due to the pandemic?
1: Yeah. But, uh, and like I say, they could, there's the financial penalty would be severe if you did that, but you know, if there was a, a cause and a time to do it, national could make those calculations and theoretically we could do it. But, uh, I definitely, even a, even a small one on uh, a work floor, I wouldn't do without consulting at a very high level of the union and having people look into it properly
0: yeah
1: so because yeah like especially like you're not just risking your job if you organize one you're risking the jobs of everyone you take with you yeah and then the fines you know would could go to the local they could go to you we don't know um but again if they're well planned and well focused they can have a a significant impact but uh, you know even if you Uh, impact the employer for that day that doesn't mean they can't come back on you you know within their ten days and catch you on it later because you would have broken the law at that point.
0: I know there have been times in my time at the post office where um, leaders in the union have organized uh, like a work floor meeting where basically everyone in that facility would stop working for their 10 minute coffee or 15 minute coffee, whatever. Coffee break is
1: within the collective agreement. Within the
0: collective agreement. Right. right? But they would do it as a show of solidarity to say like, Hey, we're not happy with what you're doing. And we would all get together and discuss what they were doing and how we were going to go ahead.
1: Yeah. You can coordinate your breaks.
0: Yeah. Um, I was going to bring that up. So uh, it's kind of, it's not a Wildcat, but it, it kind of has similar effect in that we are willing to act as one.
1: Yeah, we can talk yeah. about that now. I was going to bring that up at the end. But other oh, things sorry. you can do as alternatives. Uh, yeah, we, didn't really, we don't really pre-plan our episodes, so we just kind of wing it. And we always we, wing it. We lose our order sometimes. You may sometimes. be able to tell. <laughs> but uh, oh, the other thing you can do, uh, I think we mentioned this once uh, last season, our local president, uh, Mike Weber. One time, under the collective agreement, I forget the clause, you have the right to complain in the presence of a shop steward. And the manager, the uh, operations manager of the city, was given the staff grief. And uh, Mike said, well, I'm going to go exercise my right to complain. Who wants to come with me? You can't direct them because then it's a job action. But, you know, you say everybody, I'm going to go exercise my right to complain. Who wants to come with me? You guys can all complain too. And the entire work floor at the Saskatoon Mail Processing Plant went into the office and the manager just instantly caved. Because, you know.
0: Because <laughs> you've got that many people standing in front oh, yeah. of Yeah, and you can yeah, and you can
1: complain as a group or you can complain one at a time. I think we talked about this before. You can just line up and, you know, yeah. if it takes you two minutes to air your agreements and it takes the next guy two minutes to air your agreements, there's 50 of them. That's an hour and a half. The manager has to sit there and listen to you and pay everyone in line plus the shop steward or two to sit there and listen to you complain.
0: And the person at the back of the line has been waiting quite a while. They're probably into overtime. Yeah,
1: as long as it's, it's reasonable. If you're only taking two or three minutes each and you're not filibustering, uh, you know, sure and that way you you're not wildcatting you're you're not directing the work floor to do anything but you're still shutting things down for an hour and a half so you know things would trickle back as people complain about back to work floor. but there are other things you can do like that so
0: it's a lot harder to get um i find it's a lot harder to get outside workers to do that because they are so time focused i want to go get my route done and go home
1: yeah it's hard to organize letter carriers are really our, our worst enemy yeah
0: we, we do we make we make whenever they make changes that make our lives our jobs harder to do we make it work
1: we find ways to compensate yeah
0: yeah and sometimes much to our own detriment like people will hurt themselves or um, I hate that phrasing people will get hurt because they're taking shortcuts yeah. <laughs> and um, um uh, you know, like we'll just do little things to, to, to cut the corners, just to make it fit within the eight hours. And really what we should be doing is, is making it take the full time and, and putting in for the overtime.
1: Right. One of the big gains to a uh, wildcat strike though, is a massive boost in solidarity at the time. People, mm-hmm. if you get people behind this and they rally on the floor and they feel like they're really hitting the employer, um, I've seen videos of, 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 usually sit-ins is what they are Uh, people to stop working or walk out and it's a party atmosphere and everyone's loving it which is great but it's uh it's a short-term gain to say the least
0: you can get the same feeling of solidarity from a a legal picket line yeah you know like i can remember some really good times on the picket line and just you know walking around yeah, waving a cars. But if you're
1: you're six months into a what new contract, you got three years to wait before you can do that again, right? Yeah. But uh, but yeah, there's a there's some huge solidarity building, and I've heard it argued that that's can be worth the fines or the risk, is just the solidarity. But
0: emotions are high when you when if you yeah. can convince people to wildcat, their emotions are high.
1: But there's consequences of that too. Like um, we are a grassroots organization; the bottom leads. But if you do it, you know, and other people see this and then they do it, and then the fines start to add up, you're really, you're not only undermining the leadership, but you're fundamentally um, tampering with the structure of the union and the finances of the union to the point where the leadership has to ask you to stop. And then it's, why is the union leadership against us? Well, they have no choice. Do you protect us? They would have to say that. And then all of a sudden the workforce is divided. Right. Because some people are like, Hey, we're doing a great thing and some people are saying, Hey, we have to listen to the leadership because, you know, you know, they we they're trying to protect us and organize things. And you can't have two factions working opposite ways, especially when they share the research at the top and you know, it ends up being very, very divisive on the work floor. Like short term gains, huge. Long term harm can be disastrous. Oh, for you know? sure. Like Especially
0: looking at the national union or the regional rather than just the local.
1: Yeah. And, you know, the person that organizes uh, an action like that or the group that organizes an action like that um, is a hero at the time, but who's mm-hmm. going to get blamed for it after the fact, you know? Mm-hmm. If, suddenly you're, if it
0: goes wrong. Yeah, you know, if you
1: get some, you know, if you get personal fines in the thousands of dollars or dismissed you're because jail time. because you just <laughs> didn't want to be the only person walking out and that's the jerk that started it. Right. Yeah. So, and even if one, even if only one person really got hit with it, you know, the corporation—they're jerks. They want to divide us. They oh, might. Yeah. They might leave the person who did it on the work floor, just to cause division, and, and then fire some, some nameless yeah. schmo who is, you know, yeah. the most popular person. The one maybe. who
0: was dragged out last because yeah. everyone else was going. <laughs> just because they're they're
1: popular and they know people will get mad that they got they got canned or something, right? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, short term, definitely, like, for sure. That's the big thing I hear is everyone says, we should do this and it would be amazing on the work floor. Yeah, I'm 100% sure it would be. I would love to do it, but there's no way I'm going to, you know? It's too risky. Yeah.
0: Well, and historically... On that, the
1: same note, though, if everybody walked out on the floor, there's no way I'd be standing there by myself either. So it would be hard not mm, to, you it's know? It's hard not to
0: follow, yeah. It'd so also be hard to pay the fine. But yeah, historically, this, this is one of the issues with the Wildcat Strike is that it wasn't decided on usually by the whole union so you'll have your your upper union leadership not supporting this wildcat strike cuz it started from the bottom up and no one checked and said hey should we be striking they just said we should strike let's do it go and then your leaders don't back you because they didn't know anything about it. And you didn't talk to them about it. And they're going, well, why are you striking over coffee? You know?
1: Yeah. <laughs> or it, whatever
0: the example is. You know? If the leadership
1: backs it, that's even bigger fines The union. You could break oh, it. for sure. You could you break could a union.
0: Break your union. And yeah. then
1: when it comes time, like...
0: what union has extra funds sitting around to pay fines?
1: If you're uh, wildcatting over an issue as well, you may win that issue. You may get what you want. But you've also drained resources from the, from the region or from a national. And then when strike time comes up, what do we have to fight with? Mm -hmm. You know? So yeah, you're taking this, this, this win, but you're losing the whole next negotiation potentially.
0: Yeah. You've lost the resources you were going to use for your next legal strike action.
1: just talked about an issue where we may actually have a case where that could happen with health and safety. So it's not impossible, but I'm just informed we have an outstanding grievance on that. And I'm going to have to cut all that brilliant speech I just made out of this podcast. sorry. (laughs) Anyway, the point is, is, it's not impossible that a situation could arise where it may be worth it, but it would definitely have to be directed from a higher level. Although I don't think the higher level would be able to take credit for it because of the fines, but you know, covertly get approval, I guess.
0: I I, I think yeah, really anybody who's considering an action like this should really be talking to their their local executive and and getting their advice. And uh, they would most likely be checking with regional and national before they responded and gave you advice. I would yeah. think because <laughs> it's very it's very dangerous territory.
1: We do have the. Grievance procedure and that's the thing if, if this ever went to if they ever if this ever went to arbitration, I imagine the arbitrator would say, first off, there's a method in place, why didn't you use the grievance procedure? And if it was an urgent health and safety thing, why didn't you use thirty three thirteen? I think you should only even consider this if one or both of those has come has failed has for
0: failed. For some reason. Right. Or is somehow not accessible to you for some reason. I don't know yeah. what that would be, but um, yeah,
1: wildcat strikes. Um, there are some positives, but I think they're all countered by greater negatives. That's I think what it comes down to.
0: There are other other things you can get out of the the, the wildcat strike though. Like most recently, um, the paramedical workers in Alberta had that uh, wildcat strike here um, in October of twenty twenty. And so these weren't uh, weren't nurses and doctors and stuff. They were, like, the food service staff, the cleaners, the clerical staff in the hospitals, the maintenance workers. And uh, they walked out. Uh, it was only a one-day strike. Like, they walked out on Monday, and they were ordered back Tuesday. And they did go back, but it did serve the purpose of showing that it's not just these higher-paid workers that are... Um, necessary to keep the healthcare system yeah. running like these people are, are in traditionally lower paying jobs and they're often dismissed as not that important or not not trained yeah. or not knowledgeable
1: but that's kind if of a, they're
0: not there the hospital stops working yeah
1: that's kind of a unique case because what's going on in alberta is jason Kenney and the united conservative party basically wanted to privatize all these services the food services the, the cleaning everything in the healthcare system and nobody was guaranteed a job so they're all going to lose their jobs anyway and uh, there's a lot of conflicting information. They said no one was going to lose their jobs, but then said they would. And then, you know, if you did get hired by these private companies that had in place to to replace the current services, you'd be at a much lower wage. So these guys really had not a lot to lose anyway.
0: Well, yeah, and they yeah. were being threatened that their work was going to be outsourced yeah. to these other companies. and So, so like, even if they kept the their job at a much lower rate.
1: Yeah. yeah,
0: but then they'd have less hours and there'd be less, less new employees coming into the union and, and stuff. they'd be
1: ununionized jobs anyway, essentially eliminated why wouldn't you wildcat last minute? Yeah, you know and I think uh, they kind of made their point, you know
0: Well, I think at least in the public opinion they certainly did because I mean how many how many memes have you seen in the last six months about how all of these all these people that were considered not that important turns out those are the truly essential workers whereby if they don't work, the world stops functioning, right? <laughs> the rest of us can't get our, and I mean, not just this union, but I mean, other other places that aren't unionized, like grocery store workers and stuff. Like, we all need to eat. So, and it's, it's unfortunate that they don't have an organized group to, to protect their rights and to just help them to fight for better treatment.
1: It just occurred to me that if we had not been legislated back, there's a good chance we could still be in the work dispute now because the corporation has no interest in negotiating. Can mm-hmm. you imagine how crucial we would suddenly appear to the public if at the beginning of COVID online shopping was shut down because... Because the government we were striking? Was, yeah, because the corporation refused to negotiate with us. All these
0: people ordering masks and, and sanitizer and whatever online because they couldn't get it locally because of all the transportation yeah. issues. And then, like, if we weren't there, yeah.
1: Yeah, we would have kept things flowing, of course, because of rotating strikes and whatnot. But... Uh, yeah, we would have been in a pretty strong position.
0: Oh, and how many complaints have you heard lately about um, service delays on, on um, Canada Post products? And it's like, well, yeah, but we're doing the best we can in, in a pandemic, right? Yep. And that's not even us trying to disrupt. That's us trying to do the best we can.
1: One of the many reasons <laughs> why we always want a negotiated settlement. You know, as soon as it's an arbitration, you can't leverage the situations anymore of what's going on. You're just at the whim of the arbitrator, which may or may not be in your favor. It's kind of coin toss in a lot of cases.
0: Okay. Do you have anything else for Wildcat Strikes? Nope. So that's, that's what we have to say on Wildcat Strikes for now. Um, well, cougars are sexy. <laughs> Try not to get carried away and do anything too crazy. Have a great week. <laughs> not good?
1: I don't know. <laughs> there's no way I'd be standing there by myself either. So it'd be hard not Mm, to, you know? It's hard not to
0: follow, yeah. It'd also be
1: hard to pay the fine after. Saying saying
0: you're a follower.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Ben got a good look at my finger there.
0: Um, It's a very lovely (laughs) finger.